love what God is doing here. What a great thing that God has begun, what, two, two and a half years ago, something like that. Anchor Church is beginning a new series uh, this morning, and it's called Drawing Near. And the series is all about series is all about spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. And practice number one that we're going to be focusing on today is prayer. And the way I want to grab onto prayer this morning with you is this. Prayer, a matter of trust. So that's the big idea that I want to spend some time building out with you. We're going to dig into the word. But the big idea here, prayer, a matter of trust. We're going to make this interactive so that you don't just have to listen to me. I'm going to draw you into this a little bit. So here's the first interactive piece uh, in my talk with you this morning. Uh, It's this. What does reliability look like to you? When you, when you think of someone or something that is reliable, what does that mean to you? Here's my example that I brought with me this morning. <laughs> Don't laugh. That's my lawnmower. I was pushing that around yesterday and whether that was too hot, thinking about this lawnmower. And to me, that's reliable. I don't have a birth certificate for that lawnmower. I don't have a receipt that says when I bought it, but that, that lawnmower is at least 17 years old. And I think it was last summer, uh, you'll hear in a minute why I can't remember why, what year it was. I took the blade off to get sharpened, took it down to the guy that's at our farmer's market that sharps knives and lawnmower blades and stuff like that. And he said, you know, one part of this blade looks like a serrated knife. What have you been mowing? It had all sorts of dings and dents and stuff in it. And that lawnmower, it just keeps on going. Occasionally, if I remember between seasons, I'll check the oil. And I think maybe I can recall once or twice changing the oil. But the thing, every time I pull the cord, first lawnmower job of the year after it sat in the, dry, in the garage all winter long, I go out there, I pull the cord, and if it doesn't pull after the second pull, I get grumpy because the thing is reliable. What does reliable mean to you? If you think of the word reliable, what comes to your mind? Someone or something that in your world you think, That's what reliable looks like. That is what it means to be something that can be counted on, something that is there, something that will always be for me what I need it to be without ever letting me down. What does reliable mean to you? Let's pray. Father, I am blessed to be here with my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. What a powerful time of worship that we have had. It seems like sometimes the best thing we could do on a Sunday morning is worship and say amen and go off because we meet you when we worship together. The power of your spirit coming into this place. The power of us sharing our hearts and just being open and vulnerable and transparent before you. Thank you for already meeting us here this morning. And Father, I pray now that as we unpack the word a little bit together, that you, your spirit, would be our teacher, that by your spirit we would encounter truth, 
we would understand what it means to us, and we would be encouraged and would be equipped as we leave this place, as we go out into our world and our week as Jesus followers. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you a definition this morning. Trust. The definition of trust is this. A firm confidence in the reliability of someone or something. The word trust means a firm confidence, a bold assurance in the reliability of someone or something. Trust is basic to all healthy relationships. If you are in a relationship and you want that relationship to be stable and sustainable and positive and enriching in your life, trust is basic to all health relationships. Trust is an, essent- is, is an essential for us to experience all that God has for us in our lives. We need to trust God. And trust is the foundation of the healthy habit of hair of prayer that we're talking about this morning. I googled this. All formal religions, according to Google, practice prayer. It doesn't matter what is your religion. All religions practice prayer, some form of interaction, some force of di- some kind of dialogue that they call prayer in the Christian faith. Prayer is rooted in the reliability of God. When we pray, we are practicing something that demonstrates we have in our life, we have chosen to be children of a God who is reliable. A great passage in Scripture, if you want to get over there, however you do it, that talks about prayers in Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at just a couple verses in Philippians chapter 4. And then we're going to unpack a a few things from this passage that Paul says when he talks about prayer. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Three things that I want to lift out of this passage that's all about prayer, very brief passage on prayer. But the first thing is this. Prayer... The solution to our anxiety and our worries. Look at the first part of verse 6 again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Did you notice as I read the whole passage uh, that Paul was actually doing kind of a, not this, but this. He says, do not worry about anything Instead, prayer. So we're focusing on this in our life. And he said, no, 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 not that. Instead, pray. In the course of our day, I think if we're honest, 
we'll go through all sorts of days of the week. Sometimes when, when I go into a day, probably when you go into a day, from the moment we get up until the moment we lay our head down at the end of the day, we get caught up in a, in a routine in the day, and it's just kind of head down, pedal to the metal, we're going full speed ahead, and the day is happening without us probably having a lot of self-awareness of what it is that's going on in our day. So one of the truths about prayer here that is mentioned in this passage is when we get to those points where we have a little bit of self-awareness, oh man, I've been thinking about that for the last half hour. Or that situation that happened in the staff meeting or what happened at that stoplight uh, three blocks back or wherever. When we get to the points in our lives, in our days, when we become a little self-aware of our day rather than just plowing through the day. And we get to those points and worry kicks in. We get to the place where we're starting to think about, oh man, this is bogging me down. This is bothering me. I'm struggling a little bit with this right now. Practice the habit of prayer. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray. Prayer, according to scripture, is a trust thing. It's a trust thing. It says in James, if you want to go over to this passage, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, I'm talking about prayer. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Prayer number one is the solution, Christian prayer. When we come to a reliable God, a God that we have a firm confidence in, prayer, first of all, is the solution to our doubts and worries. Second thing that Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4 is that prayer is real-time dialogue about real-time stuff. When we go to the place of getting involved, caught, getting caught up in prayer, oh yeah, I need, I need to go to God in prayer about this. It says the second half of Philippians six verse, uh, 4, verse 6, pray about everything. Let me ask you a question, and only you will know the answer. Do you wrestle with things at time that you don't think are appropriate to talk to God about? Or maybe make it, let's make it more personal. Do you recognize, do you wrestle with things at time that you probably would not even acknowledge out loud to somebody else? You're going through a personal struggle, a relational struggle, a physical struggle, a financial struggle, whatever it is, and you're the first part of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not worry about anything, but that's where you're at. And in a place like that, are there, are there times in your life when you say, I would never tell anybody else that I'm struggling with this right now? This is embarrassing, it's discouraging, it's depressing, it's overwhelming me. It's overwhelming me. According to what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4, do not worry about anything. Instead, talk about, what's the word? Everything. 
pray a prayer for a Christian prayer in the Christian faith is a conversation with a reliable God. A God that we have a firm confidence in. And sometimes we make a formula out of prayer. Sometimes God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, amen, or whatever the thing is. We pray because we understand that prayer is a conversation with God, and that's a good thing. We believe in God. We're Jesus followers. We do that. But is it possible at times that the second part of verse 6, pray about everything? Our prayer does not represent that everything in our life. Our situation, the stuff that is bogging us down or overwhelming us or causing us to say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do this another day. I don't know if I want to do this another thing. Prayer, real-time dialogue about real-time stuff. Third thing we can lift out of this passage in Ephesians, Philippians chapter 4 about prayer. Reliable God does supernatural things. Reliable God does supernatural things when we pray with trust. Let's look at this passage one more time. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done then. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds, your heads and your emotions, as you live in Christ Jesus. Did you get that passage, that verse? When we come to God confident in his reliability and we pray, not worrying about anything, praying about anything, then it says, when that occurs, when that's a habit, when that's a discipline in our lives, the peace of God, not our peace. Sometimes when I'm struggling with things, perhaps when you struggle with things, you can work it through to the point where you say, okay, I can live with that solution for this period of time. That action plan right now is enough to get me through the day. Or I can, I can take another run at this tomorrow because I don't have an answer today. The peace of God is promised to us as we come to God in prayer with trust, believing that he is reliable. Three things in verse, chapter, in, in verse 7 there. The peace of God that we cannot understand. At times, God comes into our lives with a peace, with a presence, with a power, with a movement that simply does not make sense. The world around us is coming unglued. Our relationships have so much tension in them that we can handle it. There's more bill during the month than there is money. And we're in the middle of all those realities of life. And when God comes in and responds to our prayers that are based upon trust, according to Paul, according to, according to God's word, there comes a peace 
that exceeds anything we are able to understand on our own. And then the third thing that we learn about this peace that God gives us is that it impacts our head and our hearts. When we come to God in prayer, believing that he is reliable and trusting him with whatever we bring to him, it not only makes our head feel better because logically and intellectually, we get everything sorted out. But according to what verse 7 says, it touches and gives peace to our hearts, our emotions, the things that get us wind up, wound up and all of a sudden you know, our beats per minute are over 100 and our blood pressure, you know, those things that emotionally get us wound up in the places where we're searching for God. God brings peace to our hearts and minds as we pray to him with a firm confidence that we can trust in him. So let's make this interactive again. And I want to give you a few takeaways maybe to consider. Think about um, in your life, because when we study the word together, it's not meant to be a lecture. It's not meant to be uh, things you take notes on only, although taking notes is good. It's meant to be something that we can put wheels underneath and we can make it part of our daily life when we walk out of here after a great hour or 75 minutes together. It's meant to be applicable in our lives. So let me give you a couple things to consider. Maybe this day, uh, today, maybe these can be things you mull over this week. First of all, throughout history, God has asked his people to do, you want me to do what stuff? Throughout history, those people who walk with God, Jesus followers today, throughout history, God has said to you and me things that would cause us in the natural to say, you want me to do what? Sometimes God says those things to us. Let me give you a couple examples. Noah. God comes to Noah and God says, you know, Noah, because of the condition of the, the world and the condition of people, I'm going, to, I'm going to have to deal with this. I'm going to have to make some decisions. I'm going to have to pass judgment on the human race. Noah, as part of that, I want you to build a boat. I want you to build a boat that is 450 feet long. You can't do that in your garage. You can't go to Walmart and buy blue tarps so that you can throw those over that thing you're building in your backyard so your neighbors don't see it. And then God says to Noah, after he says, build a boat, he says, you're going to do that, Noah, because it's going to be part of my plan for the future of the human race because it's going to rain. Do you know up to that point in human history, according to the record, it had never rained? So God is telling Noah to do something that's not quite normal because he says, I am wanting you to be part of this plan. Noah didn't know how it was going to turn out. We know how it turned out. We got the book. <laughs> Noah had no idea how this was going to turn out, but, but. Noah was sure 
that the God he followed was reliable. Noah was sure that he could have a firm confidence in the one who was asking him to do this thing. He had trust. Give you another example. Abraham. God comes to Abraham and God says to Abraham, from you and your offspring down through the generations, you and your people are going to impact and be a blessing to the entire world. Step one for this Abraham is that I want you to pick up your stuff and I want you to move. I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and go to a place that you have never visited before. You have never had any experience with people from that, from that area. Abraham was 75 years old when God came and said that to him. Abraham had stuff. You read the passages in there. You read the passages in the Old Testament that talk about Abraham. He was a man of affluence. Abraham had a lot of possessions. He was a man of influence. He was a man that dictated the culture and the people around him. He had gigantic influence and gigantic things in his life. 75 years old. One of the most amazing passages for me in Scripture, all of us have our own hot button or wow verses, I'm sure. But one of the most amazing things in Scripture for me, when I read that story of Abraham and see how God talked to him, was three words as you go through that dialogue, and it says this. So, Abraham went. Abraham had a firm confidence in the reliability of God. Abraham had no idea how it was going to turn out. We knew. We read the book. Abraham had no idea what God was doing, where God was taking him, whether this was the dumbest thing he could possibly do after 75 years of living. But Abraham had a, rely, had a, a trust in the reliability of God. He did it. How about us? Do you know, I would suggest to you, that every, every day of our journey of faith as we walk with God, God says to you and me things that can cause us to say, you want me to do what? You want me to walk with you in the workplace or in the middle of the strained and tense and tortured relationships within my family? You want me to stand up and demonstrate the fact that I trust you where you're taking me? Sometimes that's easy to do when God isn't asking us to do anything that we wouldn't do ourselves. It's easy to agree with God when God's saying what we want him to say. But when God comes to us and says something that amounts to, you want me to do what? We take that step forward because we have a firm confidence in the reliability of God. We trust him. Basic part of prayer. One more thing to think about here. Every day we have, I think, if your life is like my life, if our journeys are similar, Every day of our lives, we come to places where we encounter only God can moments. Whether it's in our health or in our workplace or within our relationships with kids or parents or family, we come to places where we realize, I got nothing. 
I got nothing. I don't have a solution for this. I've, uh, I've tried my best. I've tried everything I can think of. And only God can do something that is supernatural because myself in the natural, I cannot address that trust. God is reliable. And when we come to him in those situations, as we pray, as we share this dialogue of of faith that we have because we're in relationship with him, God proves to be reliable, whatever he faces. Let me give you a verse to mull over. And maybe this is a verse for the day. Maybe this is a verse that you'll think about for the week. Maybe, I don't know, some of you may be looking for a life verse. Anybody looking for a life verse? A verse that you would like to say, here's an anchor verse that I can hold on to and actually use this as a cornerstone for my walk with Jesus. It might be this verse. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says this. This is Paul speaking to the church in Rome. And he says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you say so that you hope may overflow through the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God, may, may the God of all peace bless us with the hope that overflows as we trust in Him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Ongoing process, something we continue to do so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is a matter of trust. Prayer is one of the basic disciplines of the Christian faith. It's a privilege that is given to us as those who are Jesus' followers who have committed our lives to him. And if we believe that God is reliable, if we believe that God is worth our confident trust, then whatever comes, we have the opportunity to include that dialogue with God in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we've talked about prayer in so many different contexts for many of us, in so many different circumstances, in so many different ways. But Father, I pray that as we continue on through this series on spiritual practices, and we talk about things in a very practical way that have to do with the walk that we live each and every day, that we would realize that rooted in all of that is a trust that we can have in you. And give us the courage, give us the boldness, maybe at times it might even feel the audacity to come to you and talk to you about things that maybe we don't even honestly acknowledge to ourselves. We can trust you. We claim that. We believe that this morning, praying boldly and confidently in Jesus' name. Amen.